Anybody else wants to start? <laughs> what you're hearing is a call that took place in early January 2021 among three young athletes who play ultimate frisbee. In our last episode, we spoke with Shanee Crawford about equity in the sport of ultimate. So we thought it would be interesting to dig a little deeper with some more players who have experienced the ups and downs of being black in a predominantly white sport. You'll be hearing from three athletes. There's Austin Hegman. I go by he, him, his pronoun. Super, super senior at Georgia State, play for Georgia State Underground. There's Jay Matthews. I go by Jay a lot in the ultimate community. The only people that call me Jalen are like my close friends, currently a junior at Temple University in Philadelphia. And then Colton Green. I am from Dallas, currently on the Dallas Roughnecks, and I'm also on the Dallas Ultimate Association's uh, DEI board. I'm Lily Gu, and I'm a volunteer producer on the Equity Rising team. And I'm an Ultimate player. Our host, Trey, always says we need equity in everything. So I'm here to give you a window into conversations around equity in the world of Ultimate. I'm going to try to stay out of the way as much as I can and let the players speak for themselves. But you'll hear my voice jump in here and there to give a little context or set up the story you're about to hear. We started out by asking the players about the weight they feel they carry when they speak about racial inequities in their sport. Yeah, I mean, part of it is like we see things in a way that is different from the rest of the community. And I feel like it's the truth. Usually when these sensitivities get brought up, it's by Black people that are in those spaces. I feel like since I am afforded a platform, there's an inherent pressure on me to deliver on the things that people like are wanting me to talk about. And I think it's kind of stressful <laughs> sometimes to feel like, oh, I have to come up with a new way of saying this, or I have to go talk about something that seems like it's just common empathy. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. It's very frustrating, especially when, um, like you said, we are usually the ones that make comments on the things we go through and we're the ones that bring the awareness out because no one else are, unless you have like that melanin in your skin, you don't know (laughs) what it feels like to be a person of color, you know? So every time we bring something or we have a comment to share, it's always like, you know, we don't want to say too much, but like at the same time, there's a lot to say about the topics and issues we go through and we don't want to make it like we're complaining a lot, but issues that we go through in Ultimate and just in the world in general, they're really serious topics and issues that we need to make other people aware about. Yeah, I think one thing that I've like noticed with the Ultimate community is like people like us, we point out both like problems and solutions where I feel as like a lot of people in the Ultimate space will just point out a problem and then either won't address like the root of the problem or they won't even like try and do it. They'll be like, well, we need more people of color, but we don't want to adjust our space to make it more welcoming for people of color. It's really easy for them to like point out an issue. And then when people of color bring out real solutions, they like either like don't listen or they're like, like, no, I think this will work better. And I think like it shouldn't really be on us to be finding all the real solutions instead of, just doing all the emotional labor. When it comes to the ultimate community in general, it's a pretty white space. And it's a space that generally perceives itself as being very inclusive. We asked the players about their experience working to address the inequities of their sport in a culture built on white liberalism. That is, players, teams, and leagues wanting to seem woke without really being accountable for upholding racist structures. I see that a lot, actually, when 
there, there's just like shock that people are like that black people have to deal with that on like a regular basis. Whereas the general sentiment I've noticed from a myself and B other people who play are like a jaded, like, yeah, no, no shit. This happens. <laughs> like we've dealt with it every day. It's the selection of players. It like kind of like drives the narratives for the players. When you like think about perspectives, it's like, Ultimate is mainly played in like white high schools. And then like, where do most people like host their summer leagues? And it's like mainly in like white areas. So it's like when you don't even have ultimate players from those backgrounds, how are they supposed to speak up when they don't even know what the sport is? You guys actually made me think of a story or not a story, but a experience I had on the ultimate field. So it was my sophomore year, which was last year playing with Temple University and we had a tournament. I don't remember where exactly it was. I think it might have been um, Rutgers. I think it's Rutgers' main campus in New Brunswick. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And we played NYU. Now, I'm not here to, I'm not trying to expose any teams, but I am here to bring awareness to what these teams have done or how my experience of playing with these teams have been. It was this one game we had with NYU. We started the game off nice and fresh. And, you know, when someone picks up the disc, you're allowed to tap it in if they're taking their time to tap it in. And I went and did that. And I would say NYU was majority white team. I think they were all white and probably had a few Asian people on their team, but there was not a person with dark skin on our team. And when I tapped the disc in, the girl just gave me full attitude. She's like, you're not allowed to do that. I'm just like, one, I am. And two, why are you giving me attitude? And for the rest of that game, that whole team just treated me so poorly and all my teammates and I'll tell you Temple University's team we're pretty diverse we have we had three um black women on the team one just graduated so it's just myself and another teammate um we have Indians on the team Filipinos and I'll say the rest of the team is the majority white but that's how it is in ultimate community and my entire team were just pointing out they're like Jalen why are they being so mean to you and me I didn't want to make any assumptions and I kept saying I don't really know but in the back of my mind I knew why they thought I was an aggressive black girl or if it was racist at all, I don't know. But like just those experiences on the field, it just kind of ruins the game a little bit. And it makes you think differently about that team because the the entire team ganged up on me after that. It was literally the first point and I tapped the disc in like that's allowed. Now, can I ask this question? If I was a white person and I did tap that disc and well, she would have had the same reaction towards me after I did that. But yeah, it was insane because my whole team realized how bad that team was just treating me. And I would say I'm not an aggressive player at all. I'm not aggressive. I talk to people on the field all the time. I compliment girls in their cleats and their socks and stuff. If they have a color in their hair, I always give my compliments. So just to have that team treat me so poorly was like, it was an amazement to me because I always loved NYU. I always thought it was a cool school until I played the team. And now I kind of have like a little, little hatred in my heart for that team. For, from that experience uh thing in ultimate is that like what like white players like they don't find offensive they believe that like just because they don't believe it's offensive it isn't offensive because like say a person of color goes to like a board of a governing body like oh someone said this to me and i feel very uncomfortable say if it's like a majority white board they're like well we don't think that's offensive whereas the person of color themselves so they felt offended by it they should listen to them. I think like one thing with the ultimate community like struggles with is like inclusion versus diversity. It's very easy to say like we have a, a very diverse team. I was on a college team that was very diverse, but it wasn't a very inclusive environment for like the diverse people on the team. 
a lot of people in the ultimate community is like diversity is what we need. And it's like, no, we need to create safe spaces for these people of color. Cause like, we just don't want to bring players of color into a space where they will feel unwelcome and just gain more trauma and pain because we don't want to change our sport. Speaking to what Jay was saying, like black players are more likely to be called like unspirited. Cause like same things happen to me. I've noticed that like foul call discussions I've had with people have gotten more heated than when white players call things. Cause it's like, I've won, I've won winter league spirit awards. So it's not like I'm an unspirited player, but there's like situations where like people will seem like they're more likely to raise their voice when they're arguing with me or be like, you don't know the rules. And, and I think there's a lot of untrained biases. And I think that's something that like USA, you can do because they have like quizzes for coaches. Like why not spend money on like bias training? For those unfamiliar with Ultimate, what Colton's talking about is the spirit of the game. It's kind of a formalized way of grading players on their sportsmanship. Also, since the sport is played without official referees, the players themselves are responsible for making sure the game is played safely and according to the rules. In a white-dominant sport, this ends up looking like codified racism. Jay's high school coach Chris Lehman wrote a series of op-eds about this, asking, what if the reason Ultimate has remained so stubbornly white is unintentionally part of the very fabric of the game? Spirit of the game is a way to morally govern the players who play the game like it's essentially sportsmanship but ramped up to 10 and you get a score for it but the score doesn't matter it's just there it's like oh this person got rated a blank on the spirit score that must mean that they're a good team to play for or against and it's very arbitrary and in my opinion very much slanted towards white professionalism as are most behaviors in ultimate where if you aren't acting like how a white person specifically a white man if we're being honest here like if you aren't acting how they would define proper since they are the people who invented the sport and invented this i guess code of conduct if you aren't doing that or adhering to that then you are going to have a low spirit score whether or not you're like a nice person or player or not Now, when they're talking about way back when Ultimate was invented, keep in mind that's only 52 years ago. It's a young sport and has always thought of itself as a hip, liberal, inclusive bastion of community-oriented athletes. But as these players have experienced, sometimes that self-image can cloud the culture's ability to see the cracks within its own foundation. To your point about like a sport that prides itself on being inclusive, I feel like I've not been on a team so far where like they haven't like emphasize that like oh yeah we are a team of people who are yes very inclusive and care about what's going on in the world other than my high school team who was pretty apolitical like not even just to like bring it to like a team thing I still feel like I see a lot of people in today January 2021 who are like yeah I am very much like about the liberation of black like lives or whatnot, and then also do say and support things that don't hold up for that. And I've always been a pattern that I've noticed at every level of the sport that I've played on, that people are going to tell you that they are very inclusive, whether they are or not. And it's pretty interesting to see how that plays out. And by interesting, I mean genuinely disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, 
I went to the University of Texas in Dallas. Still go there. But uh, when I when I was on the team, they were like, "Oh, we think we're the most diverse team in the nation." But it was one of the most uninclusive environments I had ever experienced, especially when the captains went from pretty diverse in leadership to when there was three all white captains. Then like the total thing changed because at least the when we had a few like people of color in charge, they were like. Well, at least I know somewhat what like the black players are going through a little bit, whereas like these white people have had legit no clue. And then when I would express concerns, they would just walk over to them and be like, well, we don't think that the X person was being racist whenever I was adamant that this person was being racist with evidence. And it, I think it's like a, a thing in Ultimate is like a lot of, I think especially like performative activism, because I think the sport is like a driving point is like, we want to make it welcome to everyone. And then when you, however, when you make it to everyone that drives people away, you can't tolerate people who views uh, oppress other people. You can't, you can't do that. I think people get lost because they're like, well, these are our friends or like, we really want to win. So we can't give up our star player. And I think that's an issue in the ultimate community is people are like too afraid to take stances such as like the person who runs the biggest news outlet for ultimate. They feel that like, Oh, just because somebody has a certain views, they shouldn't be allowed on a national team. I think that's part of the issue is that like our sport will give platforms to people who they know have hateful views and they don't see an issue with that because they're so focused on winning and i think that it's been so long that ultimate keeps making excuses for people saying like oh they just haven't learned yet whereas like players of color in that space already feel unsafe and for these players just to keep hearing well they deserve a chance to learn where in in this space it's just very harmful and it just takes a toll on people because you just keep getting told that oh they're not really racist when they've been being racist for years and they're not changing. I have one that's not as I feel like inherently harmful, I guess, quote unquote, in the sense that Colton is talking about, but I feel like it is still indicative and it is related specifically to the game that we play where you see a lot of like people of color, a getting pigeonholed into roles that people think that people of color would do if they were, in an athletic space. Like for instance, you see black people as big, powerful, like cutters, cutters being like essentially like a wide receiver kind of deal or like a Asian person being like a squirrely, like quick reset handler where they like are the safety valve and they have to get the disc back because all they are is quick or whatever. And I think that, I think that those types of views while not, explicitly harmful, even in the way that like Colton meant where, yes, these views are really not great. I feel like adhering to those stereotypes is something that happens in Frisbee far too often and something that is indicative of a bigger picture of how Frisbee players view like inclusivity and diversity and all of that. Well, I'll be quite honest with you guys. I know 
my experiences as a black woman is very different as you guys experience as black men. Um, coming from a city like Philadelphia, which is very diverse in our population, things don't go down that much that has to deal with race because we have such a significant like um, community that will back everyone up. My high school was actually in Center City of Philadelphia. So our back, like our backyard was skyscrapers and stuff. I will also tell you my high school was very small. Our we had a total of like 500 students. We did not have a gym. The whole school was our gym. We would run stairs, work out in the cafeteria and stuff. And I will say that Frisbee Ultimate was our football. We didn't have a football team. Ultimate was our football team. The majority of our population at our high school, you know, came out to our Ultimate games. They played with us. Our principal was actually the coach of our Ultimate team, Chris Lehman. And we did have two ultimate teams or kind of three. We had a girls team and then we had a boys varsity and a boys JV as well. The demographics of the Frisbee team were majority black. It was more, you know, black people playing than white people. Um, So like I said, playing on the girls team, we didn't run into many issues in high school. Um, But our guys team did. Like I said, they were majority black. We played suburban teams and those suburban teams were majority white. We played schools like Radnor, Lower Marion, in Pensbury. Pensbury was actually um, a very difficult team for both girls and guys team to play because they were like, I can't, I don't know how to like sum this down, but like, I just have to say they were a really racist team. Now the girls team, they were just kind of mean. I wouldn't say they were really racist, but the guys team, they were, they said some horrible things to our men players. They would do horrible things to our men players and not just the players themselves, but the coaches as well. And their family, that will be on the sideline. Like they will put our guys team through hell kind of. And all we wanted to do was just get out there and play ultimate, you know, which is the sad part. So like I said, my experiences as a female playing is not the same as, you know, my male friends. And like, I hate to say that's how it is. You guys definitely go through much more than what we go through. Yeah, and I think one thing from like a USAU perspective, which is USAU is the governing body, is they make it really, really hard for high school teams if you want to play and you don't have a high school at your team. I mean, you don't have a you don't have a team at your high school, and they make it really difficult for you to play in state championships. And they they do that as we want a legitimate state championship. Well, it's like, well, what do you gain out of that? There's a bunch of hoops that you have to jump through if you want to play at a different school. There's no money prize. There's nothing significant from winning. And like the only thing that accomplishes is not letting people play. Because I know in Dallas, most of the white schools like have sustained people over the years. And the more like teams where there's diversity, like they have been like less consistent. So it'd be like super helpful for those teams that are like have a down year to be able to like say combine with another team and play state. But like USAU so focused that they don't want to do that think like another issue like USA you can do is like help subsidize coaches that want to like coach in like the inner city because like whenever I've talked to people in Dallas like why don't you coach like well I would rather coach at this majority white school because it's like closer to me and it's the easy way out and I think that like they could be spending money to be like here's like the gas money like go invest in these communities and I think USA you could also be putting money towards like hosting more events in like these like communities of color because i know that's something that we've talked about in dallas is like there's this thing called color of ultimate where they have a game 
where it's majority players of color. And I think something great about that is like, you could host that in like an area where they usually don't have ultimate. And it's like what my high school coach, he works in like the Dallas, like parks and rec. And he noticed a difference between when showing like kids ultimate highlights with people who they like, it's just white people. And they're like, none of these people look like me. And then when they show highlights with players of color, they're like, wow, like that could like actually be me making those plays. And I think that's like a big like thing for like kids trying to play ultimate is like to see representation. Um, one thing that I've noticed living in Atlanta is that a lot of like elite level players will eventually go into one of like our cities to play and to likely help participate in gentrifying the city as a whole. But in the terms of ultimate, they will come and they will either play and they'll want to coach, but they'll only do it with the elite level mostly white colleges and high schools in the area, which in turn creates a even bigger gap in the resources that areas where people of color are playing ultimate and like the areas where white people are playing ultimate. And it feels like that is one of the biggest reasons I've noticed that people of color are being pushed away from the sport because without adequate resources and adequate coaching, these people are going to just lose and give up playing because you're playing against people who are elite level like players and the gap keeps getting bigger because those people are being coached by other elite players. It is very frustrating because it's caused me to see a lot of my friends leave the sport due to general frustration. I think like one thing that leads to is like, how like clickiness and like frisbee is tied is that like those players who are coached by those elite players will have better opportunities to play because like say they play an elite team in the city they could be like oh come to one of our elite club practices or whenever they go to practices they're like well we can either take this kid or this this kid knows the coach like his coach plays on our team it's basically like connections and i think a lot more connections come out from that so it's just like it makes the disadvantaged people like already more disadvantaged that these elite players are like spending all their time and energy on like the people that don't really like need it one thing that i would like to account for is that like frisbee you don't get to pick where you go to school based on where you like playing frisbee a lot of the time unless you are very fortunate and very privileged to do so which in fairness a lot of frisbee players are but for a overwhelming majority of players, even amongst like a white middle-class sport, like you're going to go to the college that like you're just get into based on like solely academics. And when you go to like a Georgia state or like, I'm trying to think of one in Texas, like a Sue Ross university or something, the opportunities are going to be a lot more limited right off the bat than you would if you went to like a, Carleton or a University of Georgia or a University of Texas or a University of Pittsburgh. I don't know how to like, or I know how to change it. You just get more people to those areas, but I don't know how exactly to motivate people to do it, I guess, which is frustrating. Another topic that came up was this idea of appropriation of black culture by non-black players, spectators, and members of the ultimate community. It's a predominantly white sport that loves to appropriate black culture in many ways. 
and I'm not not a, not a fan of that. Uh, I was like, Ultimate was like designed for white people and white people. And then when you see white people running around appropriating black culture on sidelines through music, hairstyles, jerseys, all these language, it's just very very can turn turns a lot of people off. Uh, it's very interesting to see like. USA Ultimate, for example, or whoever be like have this have these like equity commercials of like, yeah, we are all unified, we are all standing up for this, that, and the third. And then you go to like a highlight reel of some college like tournament in Myrtle Beach or wherever, and you see some white guy on UNC Wilmington with like cornrows. (laughs) (laughs) I think everything that we've done so far for the sport has been like devoid of organic black culture, if that makes sense. Cause I feel like occasionally you do see like black culture in Frisbee, but it's always like Colton said, gone through the channel of like a bunch of like weird white people from like St. Louis or some town, yeah. not to like, pick on St. Louis or anything, but like you see a bunch of dudes from like Colorado, like talking about it. And it's just not the same as like, when it happens through black people and through organic like means of communication and it's very apparent when it happens it feels very even when black culture is in the sport it feels whitewashed yeah, it kind of feels like white people like made him do it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was like it was like a white person made it and was like i need you to say this rather than like the black player was like this is what i want to say yeah one thing that like I have always been on the idea of like, yeah, we need more people of color in highlight songs. Cause I feel like as of right now, highlights are how we market the sport the best to people who don't play. We show people highlights of people who were trying to get involved in the sport. And I don't know, it's just really weird to see like a bunch of white dudes all the time playing a sport with like this, white dubstep artist from Europe with like six vowels in his name as the artist. And like, I don't know, I've shown it to people as an experiment, shown it to my black friends who have either quit Frisbee or have been like, Oh, you play Frisbee. What is that? Like, and I'll show them like that as like one of the videos and they'll be like, this shit does not look fun. (laughs) Like this doesn't look like anything I would be into. And yeah, you see a bunch of white people running around, with white culture all the time. And when black culture is there, it's very much like bastardized. It really hinders, I think, the growth of the sport for black people and for other POCs in an organic way. I was just thinking about like representation of people of color in Ultimate, you know, like whenever you think of a person in color Ultimate, the first person I think of as a black man in Ultimate is um, Marcus Bromley. That's like the first person I picture in my head. But, you know, you know, a bunch of white people's names in Ultimate, like Bo Kendra, you know, Brody Smith, who barely plays Ultimate, but like he's out there. Um, Dylan Freechild, you just know a bunch of bunch of their names. But when I like, you know, Khalif, obviously, from Mixtape and um, Gabriel Hernandez and stuff like you. Those are a few names that I only know from my involvement of the Twitter Ultimate community. But whenever I'm on USAU or any other website, Alti World and all of that stuff that, you know, there are the main ultimate platforms. You barely see those names. You barely see those names advertised. And I'm just questioning the representation of people of color in ultimate. You know, we love to throw those 
those little tournaments and games and stuff. But like, other than those tournaments, yeah, the color ultimate. Other than that, what else are we doing as a whole for the ultimate community to make it more diverse and show representation for, you know, more people of color? Speaking of changing the sport and bringing more black players into ultimate, we asked Jay, Austin, and Colton about the all black tour that Shani announced in last week's interview. If you missed the conversation or just need a refresher, the idea is to put together teams of all black players to play showcase games across the country. In Ultimate, it's a rare equity-themed project that doesn't ladder up to white leadership or power. Here's what Austin, Colton, and Jay had to say about it. Yeah, yeah, I I applied. Um, I should be going to the Philadelphia one, which is in the fall. Can't speak for anyone else, but I'm incredibly excited for it as like someone that I feel like has not been afforded a lot of the opportunities that even other players of color have received on more elite level programs. I am very excited just to like have a community where I feel like 100% safe and feel very free to speak and act how I normally would speak. Yeah, I'm super excited. Still don't know what city. I'd love to see that all these black players are being afforded opportunities that they just normally aren't. Like I'm privileged enough that I am on professional AUDL Dallas Roughnecks team. And like most black players like don't even have like opportunities like that. Like they won't even can't even like afford tryouts. And the fact that like these games are most likely to be streamed and they can make plays and just be given a platform where it's like about them is like so big because like often in ultimate like players of color are just like kind of just like put aside or it's like they're not really highlighted they're like well we're just going to put you on defense and you're going to do your job and just the fact that like they're able to be highlighted and show their skills is going to be super super incredible i'm really excited for it yeah i'm applying as well i can't wait obviously i'm doing philly can't go too far every time you see like the the highlight reel of um ultimate games especially like from the AUDL, they always like try to like squeeze in like the people of color and their amazing plays. And I'm just like, this person is dominating. And like you say, you play for the um, Dallas Roughnecks and I have friends that play for um, Philadelphia Phoenix and stuff. And I'm just like, you guys are dominating. I'm so proud of you. And unfortunately like your season was just canceled because of, you know, the pandemic and everything. And I just hope like next season for you guys is amazing. Like I just want you guys to showcase all your talent as much as you can, because like, I always say this to my friends and I'm just like, if ultimate wasn't like primarily white and if like we did have more people of color in this sport, I always say like we would dominate so much because we just bring so much talent to the game. It's just so much and I love it. All three of these athletes are putting their time and energy towards helping make the sport they love more equitable. And so we were curious, what brought them to ultimate in the first place? I've always been like, competitive and like athletic and yeah I, I I've always looked up to people in other sports like trying to think of like Ocho Cinco or Allen Iverson or other people like that in the like mid-2000s hot sauce all these dudes that I've seen just out here balling at what they've been doing and I've always wanted that to be me playing something, doing something active and being really good at it. And it's outside of the last hour of conversation. Like I do enjoy playing the sport 
I just want to have fun doing what I'm doing. And I think that's kind of what I've adopted for most things in my life at 24. As of right now, Frisbee is still a very fun thing to do. And if I can find something that I find a team or an outlet that I can continue to grow with, that is my only goal. I first started playing because uh, I love sports, uh, but I happen to be terrible <laughs> at other sports. And uh, I mean, I fell in love with Frisbee. It's just like super fun. And like, I've met a lot of like great friends and then some other experiences in Ultimate, like hasn't been great. I guess like when I first started playing Ultimate, my goal is like to make a professional team. So I've made already reached my goal within <laughs> before I turned 20. But I guess like now, like my main thing is just like coaching, giving back. I was afforded a lot of opportunities by having great coaches. So I want to like give people that usually like don't have the opportunity, like people who, who don't have elite culture coaches to like have someone who like will care and like teach them how to play and yeah. Um, like I said, I first started playing ultimate my freshman year of high school. And I will be honest, I never played a sport in my entire life until my freshman year of high school. Ultimate was the first sport I ever played. It was great because ultimate is the easy sport to play, you know? And the people that introduced me to it was my principal, Chris Lehman, and then the girls coach at the time. Her name was Rosalyn Eccles. She was an amazing coach. Um, now they're being coached by Steph Sessa. She's also she's awesome as well. Like I said, Ultimate was just really fun for me. I felt like it was an escape for me, like never being able to play a sport before and then finding something that I had a passion for. It was just amazing. It was like my getaway. We had 6.30 a.m. practices, Mondays through Thursdays, right before school. Our school didn't have any showers, by the way. But I woke up every morning loving it, loving what I did, loving practice, loving after-school games, loving tournaments over the weekends and stuff. And things that... um. I hope that change in the ultimate community. Like Colton said, he he's playing professional ultimate. I would love to also play professional ultimate, but you know, the AUDL doesn't have a, you know, a women's section yet. So that's something I'm looking forward to. I'm also hoping for the better in our ultimate community as you know, for the world is like more diversity, more inclusion and stuff. And at the moment, like I said, I do serve on the board of PADA. Um, my role is college team relations, but I also serve on a um, DEI community. So like at the moment, I'm trying my best to help out with that, to make it more inclusive and more out there for us. And right as we were wrapping up, Austin brought up one last point. Oh, I do have one more actual like thing to say among Frisbee people specifically, where I feel like there are a lot of ultimate players who are making strides to be more equitable to the players that are on their teams and the players that are playing against them and just the people in the ultimate community. And like it's not enough. If you are only being equitable to the people in your circle, you are not actually being equitable. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier for people to say they don't have general biases because, like, they're like, well, my best friend is black, and they don't say anything, whereas, like, they might treat other people of color terribly. So I think it's it's very important to, like, take a step back and not just be blinded by, like, oh, I have friends that are people of color, and be like, what am I actually doing to, like, make my friends feel safe and welcome? I don't know. I find that very interesting because you have to hold everyone accountable. Of course, the Temple's men's team is actually the whole team is white and is one Asian guy, which I find hilarious. But they <laughs> they took a stance 
during um, in June and everything. They took a stance and they realized, they acknowledged that the school that they go to is in a black neighborhood in Philadelphia, is in North Philadelphia. And they were like, we need to, you know, give back to our community. Everything that's going on right now is not okay. And we are aware and we realize that, but they've taken multiple initiatives to make sure they give back to the community, help the community. Um, They've sent people to schools. Some teammates got together and went to local elementary schools around. They taught some of the kids how to play ultimate. And those elementary schools are primarily black, you know, students there. So they've, they've been trying their best to, you know, hold everybody accountable and give back to the community. There's also some people on their team that they've had um, that, you know, had difficult, different political views as well. And they made sure that I don't think they changed their political views. If they had those views, they had them for a reason, but the team made it aware to them that, listen, just because you have these views, we have to treat everyone this way, like the same. We can't, you know, be too loud or outspoken about those views. We know like everyone has freedom to speech and everything, but this is our team core values and you have to follow them if you want to continue to be on a team. I don't think they had any incidents with that person or any other people who had different political views, but they took its stance as a whole team together and made sure everybody was on the same page. So that's it for our conversation with Jay Matthews, Austin Hegman, and Colton Green. Thank you so much to these three beautiful people and athletes for sharing their time with us. We at Equity Rising will be rooting for you wherever you go in ultimate and in life. This episode was produced by myself, Lily Gu, and Julia Drachman, Linnea Ingalls, and Josh Burrell, with support from Kayla Imrasek and Laura Cassidy. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another traditional episode of Equity Rising with our amazing host, Trey Holiday. Take care. <laughs>